Hello and welcome to How About Them Huskers. My name is Will Noder Francesco, and I am joined, as I always am, by my grandpa, Husker Dan from Husker Max in the beautiful city of Omaha, Nebraska. Grandpa, how are you doing? It's been two weeks since we recorded. Had a little Christmas break there. How's you're not snowed in yet there? I, I know there's a lot of snow there in Omaha, but um, you know, it's, it's, it's we were supposed so. to have been. Well, we're going to get five to ten inches. Yeah, uh, yeah. Unless they've changed the measurements, uh, we just we got slush yesterday. Got a couple inches in the night, and, it, and it's supposed to get really cold here. But this January in Nebraska, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah we haven't had any snow in colorado yet which is weird so <laughs> you were down no in, you were down in florida over yeah New years yeah that was tell nice about, and tell then we about came the back rocket, tell me about the rocket launch oh again. yeah well we did see a spacex rocket launch which was very very cool definitely would recommend people going to go down to cape canaveral go see it if you can it's, it's awesome their spacex is launching rockets like one every two days so it was really cool to go see that but yeah weather-wise oh my gosh uh <laughs> shot coming back to Colorado for sure from Florida. Um, so, but that was nice. Uh, got to watch a lot of football down there, stayed up until one o'clock watching the CFP semifinal games, uh, which will break down those in the national championship that happened last night, which is why our episode has not come out yet for those of you who are wondering or waiting for it to come out on that uh, Sunday when it usually does. Um, we, we wanted to wait until this amazing national championship game uh, finished. Uh, amazing, you can put in quotes, whatever, depending on your fan base and uh, affiliation, but whatever. Uh, we'll, we'll get into it later. Right now, what I want to start with is, first of all, 236 days until kickoff. Kind of sad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, no, no, we're not counting. Um, anyway, uh, it, it, they haven't announced spring game date yet, as far as I know. Maybe they have. They haven't announced I think it's April yet, 27th. April the 27th. Okay, yeah. I'm going to try to come down there again, see if we can, Grandpa and I can go to that game together again, see if we can see Dylan Rowe play in the flesh in person. That would be, be huge. Cool. Um, but a bunch of Husker football news. We've talked about uh, some of these guys before. First big thing that happened while we have been gone uh, is Oregon running back Dante Dowdle uh, has committed to Nebraska. He's a four-star uh, player, or four-star recruit, top 10 running back from Picayune, Mississippi. He's 6'2", 215, coming from Oregon, as I said. Uh, he was going to be the number three back at Oregon. He comes to Nebraska. He's going to have a very good chance to be the guy in that running back room uh, for the Huskers. He's going to replace Anthony Grant after Anthony Grant used the ball's eligibility, of course. He brings that experience. Uh, I think he's going to play really well. I haven't watched a lot of film of him, to be honest. Um, EJ Barthel recruited him. EJ Barthel has been doing a great job with that running back room with Emmett Johnson and all those guys, hopefully Gabe Irvin and Ramir Johnson will be back next year. So this could be a very stacked running back room uh, for, for Nebraska. Um, Isaiah Nair is a wide receiver uh, from Texas. He transferred from Texas, oddly enough, um, and Wyoming. I, I believe he was at Wyoming last. Uh, I could be wrong about that, but he's another guy that transferred to Nebraska. Uh, he's 6'3", 215. Uh, he's going to fill the spot that Marcus Washington vacated. Marcus Washington, we talked about this on our last episode, has declared for the NFL draft. Don't know. We discussed if that was a great idea for him. I think the consensus was from both of us that it wasn't a great idea for him just based off of injuries and playing time in film. Uh, but if he believes that if he's hearing that's what he should do, then best luck to him. Uh, and uh, Isaiah Nair has only one year of eligibility remaining, so with a young receiver room, he could definitely add a lot more value there and just kind of mentor all those guys. So that is big 
for Nebraska to get both those guys. Your thoughts on both those two guys, Grandpa, that ended up transferring to Nebraska while we were on our little holiday sabbatical? Well, you, you always look at addressing your needs, and with Anthony Grant leaving and then Marcus Washington, uh, I guess, opting for the NFL, uh, you fill those two spots, and that's that's a credit to the coaching staff. I mean, they have – it must <laughs> – Coaching or recruiting now is so much different than it was just uh, three years ago, three or four years ago. Um, you got to recruit kids to come to your program and then you got to recruit them again to stay. And then if they do leave, then you got to recruit kids to, you know, fill their, their vacancy. And it's just, it's a never ending recruiting would be what I think drives uh, head coaches to go to uh, in the in the NFL because they don't have to recruit. Now there's some other issues they have to deal with too. But but yeah, I, so far I think the recruiting that has been done by uh, Matt and his uh, and his staff have, has been spot on. We'll see how these guys pan out. You know, right? Um, you know, uh, uh, Nahor, the he actually he was he started off at Wyoming and then he. Uh, he uh, transferred to Texas, and uh, so then he's coming to Nebraska. So three colleges in uh, in his career, which is going to be probably the norm for a lot of, you know, uh, players like quarterbacks and receivers and running backs and that kind of stuff. Um, so it's we'll we'll just see how this all shakes out, and you know, it's all it's all a it's all a bit of a gamble because you don't know at this time how these kids are going to pan out. But at right. least I think from from either a junior college or from transferring from another D1 program, you get pretty you got a lot of film on on a kid you can see and kind of see and you you can vet him because they need you know Matt Rule is is a smart coach and he wants to have kids who are, have great athletic ability but also they have to be able to fit into the locker room and that might even right. be more important than and anything. Yeah, I think that fitting in the locker room thing is bigger for Matt Rule. And of, of course, you get, the, as you were saying, you get the film, you get the experience playing from with these transfer portal guys that you don't get when it's just freshmen coming right. in, or, or as you're saying, with the guys drafting people. I mean, it, sorry, NFL draft. Uh, it's It's still kind of more like recruiting than the transfer portal because it's, okay, I don't have film of you at the NFL level, so I'm still kind of – there's still a little bit of speculation that has to happen. Um, but anyway, huge for Nebraska to get those two guys, especially Dante Dowdle. Um, it'll be a big impact for Nebraska, I'm sure, coming up this year um, or this this upcoming season in 236 days. So um, that'll be good. Hopefully he'll be there for the spring game uh, in time. Maybe, probably not would be my guess, but I don't know how fast these things happen and how fast they end up being on campus, but we'll see. Uh, no news as to Casey Thompson yet. That's, that's kind of something that we've been watching a little bit that maybe Casey Thompson transferring back to uh, Nebraska. There's been rumors. Gabe Irvin has posted things with Casey Thompson on social media about it. Uh, not, not specifically about it, but just them hanging out in Lincoln. So Casey Thompson's been back there with football players. So of course, Gabe Irvin and him were uh, tight when they were on the team together two years ago anyway. So that could just be that. Um, but that would be huge for Nebraska to get Casey to come back and just finish his career uh, at Nebraska and mentor Dylan Rayola and Danny Kalen, and then have them 
be able to be set loose the next year. I don't know what promises Matt Rule's made to Dylan Rowe, though, to make him come into Nebraska, though. So if he's saying, hey, you're going to start the first year, okay. Uh, but that's a discussion for another off-season podcast coming up. We got a lot of we got a lot of time to discuss a lot of things coming up here, Grandpa, when it comes to Nebraska football. So, uh, all right, let's move on to the let's start with the national semifinal games, which I know were two weeks ago. Um, on I, I guess a week ago uh, ish on New Year's Day, uh, we'll start with the Rose Bowl, Alabama, Michigan. Final score of that one: Michigan twenty-seven, Alabama twenty. In overtime, Michigan comes back, ties it, and then wins it in overtime. Uh, stop Alabama on fourth and goal on what I thought was a really stupid play call from Alabama uh, on that fourth and goal, just sending Jalen Milrow straight into the teeth of the Michigan defense, which had been playing really well that entire game. I didn't like that play call. Uh, I don't think that that was their best way to win that game, or I guess they'd tie it and send it to a second overtime. But what were your thoughts watching that game? What were your quick takeaways from that? Because we got we have the other semifinal game to talk about, and then we'll talk more in depth about the national championship game, which Grandpa and I both watched last night, and I'm sure a lot of other people did. Yeah, the only thing I thought at that Michigan-Alabama game, which I thought was a great – Great game. I mean, oh yeah, the overtime, and uh, and as you said, Alabama was driving. I, I questioned that was a head scratching call there. I don't know. I think maybe the quarterback maybe slipped a little bit, and then he ran out of options. Maybe that was not the play that was called. Uh, maybe it was going to be something wide, but <clears throat> I think he kind of slipped. Uh, maybe maybe he was maybe it was just a dive into the line. But as you said. That's Michigan's strength. I don't know why you would go at their strength. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't get it. But I, I said, and I think maybe you agreed that the winner of that Michigan Alabama game was probably going to win the national championship, and that's yeah. exactly what happened. Yeah, and then and then as far yeah, I agree with everything you said about that Rose Bowl game. It, it was very exciting though. Both these semifinal games were very very fun to watch. Uh, and it, I and I was in Florida at the time, so watching on East Coast time, I was a little bit later. So I stayed up until one o'clock in the morning of the second watching this game, uh, which. <laughs> I was like, I almost turned off about four times in the fourth quarter. Uh, Washington beats Texas 37-31, I believe, is the final score of that game. Uh, Texas was down by 13 with like eight minutes left, I believe, in that in the in the fourth quarter. And uh, I, I was thinking in my head, okay, I should probably turn off. I'll just I'll just watch this Texas drive. If it stalls, they don't get any points. Then I'll think, okay, there's no way they can win this game with the way Washington was playing. There's no way Texas can win this game. Okay, well we'll, we'll turn it off. Texas goes down, scores a scores a touchdown, and I think, okay, here we go. They Washington's going to get the ball back with about six minutes left. Go down, and they just need a field goal really to put the game away. As long as they choose some clock, they do exactly that. Uh, Washington to, to Texas's credit, they never gave up. Uh, I, that was another point after Washington scored that field goal with about four minutes left, three minutes left. I thought, okay, I should probably turn off, but I'll see what Texas does. If they look like they're gaining some momentum, then maybe I'll keep it on and see if they can get an outside kick recovery. Uh, and it seemed like everything that I was thinking about when I would turn it off, it just didn't want me to turn it off because Texas went down, scored a touchdown in about 50 seconds to a minute. Uh, they don't get the onside kick, but Washington goes four and out or sorry, three and out, uh, uh, their player gets injured on the third down play. Dylan Johnson, the running back, who'd been dealing with foot injuries all season, stops the clock. They have a false start yeah. on the punt. Yeah. Then there's a catch interference call 
on on the uh, on the catch, giving 15 more yards. So they gave right. they gave Texas 23 yards. Texas yep. gets down to the 10 ish yard line with about 20 seconds left. And I'm thinking, holy cow, they're going to win this game. This is the craziest comeback I've ever seen in college football. And uh, and then four straight fade routes basically to the end zone don't end up working. And Texas goes down in a ball of fire. But uh, holy cow, that game had was threatening to get out of hand. And uh, man, if I cannot imagine, Kalen DeBoer is Washington's coach. I cannot imagine how livid he would be if Washington loses that game yeah. because of yeah. two a false start penalty and then just a stupid catch and like, don't even touch him. He's not he's not going to run it back because there's not time. They need the time. You don't even need to yeah, try and cover him. Crazy, yeah, it but was just crazy. That game that game was crazy. And I, I, Michael Penix played the game of his life in that game. Uh, unlike the national championship, <clears throat> but uh, but we'll talk about that in a second. Grandpa, your quick thoughts on that semifinal game i guess i kind of broke down the drama of it but what were your thoughts on that game overall anytime texas loses a, a football game or actually loses anything i'm i'm for it i think i would be for hamas if they were playing texas jeez oh, so anyhow i uh <laughs> maybe not but uh yeah I, I i don't really care for texas and uh, uh so yeah i was i was glad to say washington win that game and uh but i and then you and i i think i think we talked uh even two weeks ago that, uh, as we said, that winner of that Michigan-Alabama game would probably win. And the reason was because of Michigan's defense. And yes. last night, they just pounded the heck out of Michael Penix. Oh, Michael yeah. Penix could barely walk. He could barely get off the, the ground uh, late in that game. And he he probably shouldn't have been playing, but I'm sure he told his yeah. coach, I'm, I'm in. But it, yeah. they just pounded him. They didn't. They sacked him only once, <clears throat> and but, uh, but uh, it, it was that was that was a great game. I, I was I was rooting for Michigan, but I wouldn't have been upset. I really like uh, Kalen DeBoer, uh, Washington's coach. Uh, yeah, I, I would like to have seen him win, but <clears throat> my money w- would have been, and I don't bet on college football. But I, it would have been on. I thought Michigan would uh, would would beat the spread. I didn't envision that they would win by twenty one points. So did right. you? Right, not really. And I think that I mean, obviously, that score doesn't totally reflect how that game went. It was a game going into the fourth quarter. Uh, yep. I had some I had some friends over. We were watching it last night, and we were like, "Oh, this game's over in the third quarter." And then Washington kind of got some momentum, started stopping Michigan, and we were like, "Holy cow!" Going to the fourth quarter, we we're like, "This might be a yep. game." It was twenty yeah. to thirteen at that point, I believe. Right. Uh, right. And then uh, Michigan got back just had one drive on Michigan just needed one drive in the fourth quarter on offense and kind right. of just put Washington to sleep a little bit I guess and and just Michael Michael Panix did not play well I he would he'll be, be the first to tell you that I believe he he took full ownership of their loss in the press conference which is just a, such a mature and a, a, he's such a great leader he'll be a great NFL quarterback some year uh, coming up here, I, I, I mean, he's going to get drafted fairly high, I would assume, uh, with such a good quarterback class. But uh, you got to give a lot of credit to Washington's wide receiver core as well. Roma Dunze, uh, oh, Hulk, and, uh, and Terry McMillan, uh, those three guys are just – that is the best receiving core I've ever seen on a college yeah. football field yeah. Uh, in, yeah. in my time watching the sport, which has been – like 14 years. So uh, it, it's just insane what those guys can do. They're so gifted and, and, and adding in Michael Penix who can make throws that 
I mean, it, he was making throws in that semifinal game against Texas that I don't think like 15 to 20 NFL quarterbacks could make. Right, it was right. in, just throwing into the tightest windows possible. And when he's dialed in, it's just crazy. And if he's if he goes to a team that has an offensive line, that team is going to be scary because NFL wide receivers are very, very good. And uh, Michael Panix can get the ball to them and they can and they can just do their thing. And Michael Panix will be able to get the ball to them absurd amount of the time and into crazy windows um he's very gifted athletically you have in our notes here that he's better than jj mccarthy i 100 agree with that uh i am not a fan of jj mccarthy uh I, I don't i think he's a good quarterback that play however that play against alabama that jj mccarthy made uh where they i believe it was donovan edwards uh michigan's backup running back who had two touchdowns last night in the national championship game both of 40 plus the first player to do that uh, in the college football playoff era, I believe um, it might might be even longer than that. I don't know. But um, anyway, uh, Donovan Edwards, they ran a flea flicker with J.J. McCarthy, uh, pitched it to Donovan Edwards against Alabama in the Rose Bowl. Uh, he threw it back across the field to McCarthy. McCarthy has to reach up, grab yeah, it with yeah, one hand. Yeah, There's yeah, a defender yeah. right in his face. He yep. just sh- he just turns and f- throws a dart downfield to uh Roman Wilson, I believe, uh Michigan's top receiver, just perfectly on the on the uh, out of bounds line for a toe drag catch for like 20 something yards when Michigan needed it. And I mean, he's able to make amazing plays, but Michael Penix yeah. just overall makes better plays. Um I was so. I was a little surprised not if you look at the time of possession, it's almost a dead heat. They're both about 30 minutes apiece. And then you look at Michigan limited or held Washington to 47 yards rushing that and and Michigan ran for over 300 yards. So there's the difference in the game. You, you just beat up the uh, uh, opposing defenses and then you put pressure on, on the, on Washington's offense, particularly their quarterback. And you got a recipe for a victory. And I, I thought, I thought that was one of the best uh, coached, uh, you know, teams, defenses that I've seen in a long time. Nebraska oh, yeah. before your time was just like that. They, they in the mid nineties, they went sixty and three in five years. I mean, yeah. you don't do that. And they would just they had a defense that said, "No, nah, not today." It just <laughs> just forget about it. Um, so it was, uh, you know, the other thing I found out or I realized that uh, Nebraska, when we played Michigan on September 30th, we scored as many touchdowns in that game as as Washington did last night when they played Michigan. <laughs> I didn't which think is of that. One, which is one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. So, I mean, oh. you think about that, and our, we, we had such a terrible offense, and they got Michael Penix, and they they had, they had two more field goals. They scored 13 yeah. points. That's pretty pathetic. Yeah, that is pretty pathetic. To be fair, ours was a garbage time touchdown, but that doesn't matter, and they can't see that in the statistics. So we'll take right. it. <laughs> yeah, that's um, exactly right. But but yeah, I I think the best team won, and as you said, we both said that whoever won that Alabama Michigan game was going to win the national championship. Uh, I think I've been underestimating Washington this entire year. They kind of proved me wrong last night. The way they just kind of hung with Michigan, and as you said, Michael Penix was getting beat. Up, yeah. holy cow! And yeah. my my dad walked by and he watched. He was watching a little bit of it with me. And he was like, "Why don't they pull him?" And I think you're right about the 
I want to stay in there. I want to finish this. It's his senior year. He's gone through so much that he just wants to finish the game. And he was visibly very, very upset afterward. And I mean, who wouldn't this entire, this Washington team uh, is just, it seemed like it was kind of destiny for them, but Michigan had a better story and the football gods don't always care about who has the better story necessarily, but this time they ended up doing that. So, uh, and I, I just loved uh, the, the trophy presentation. I don't know if you watched this grandpa, but um, the way that the players talk. So Mike Sanders still, who was the guy that uh, he was the, the I, I believe is a linebacker, but he can play corner. He's crazy athletically talented on defense for Michigan. Uh, he had the interception that really sealed the deal, returned it for 80-something yards and almost yeah, scored. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then Michigan yeah. put the game away uh, to get to 34. They scored another touchdown with Blake Corum. Uh, but Blake Corum and Mike Sanders still were – Blake Corum was offensive player of the game – or MVP of the game. Mike Sanders still defensive MVP of the game for for Michigan. And the way they were talking after the game, they they of course, Reese Davis is down there asking him questions about, oh, how, how does this feel, how all that stuff? And they're just like, well, I, they just all give credit to the rest of the team. Uh, they give – like, we thank God for this. We're very – we're so blessed. Uh, we couldn't have done it without all those guys standing down there. We couldn't have done it with all other coaches, all this stuff. And it, it sounds like a cliche, but they just were so like, they were like, and, and, and they're and Mike Sanders was a sophomore and just a level of maturity that he showed up on a stage after winning a national championship was just crazy to me. And they, it, they just all talk like that. Blake Corum gave an interview after the game and, um, and they were one of the, I, I believe it was Holly Rowe, uh, asking him about like, Oh, you, you scored a bunch of time. He scored, two or three touchdowns. I think two, uh, in the, in the national championship game, he got to 28 on the year, I believe, which is absurd. He broke a record for Michigan and she was asking about that. And he's like, well, I can't do it without my offensive line. I can't do it without all these guys. And uh, I can't do it with all the work these coaches put in and that kind of stuff. And just the way they talk and Jim Harbaugh doesn't want to answer any questions about anything, which is really funny, uh, to me, just the way he dodges all the questions and the, the analysts trying to get him to answer things. <laughs> um, yeah. but, they uh he just was thankful and kind of reflected the same thing he brought his dad up there and he had his dad uh yeah the, the michigan michigan has the thing of the the call and response of who's got it better than us nobody yeah. which yeah, yeah that's yeah. what they that's that's what his dad did and uh just really really cool to see that and there's all them celebrating and it just was it was good to see them win after after everything that michigan has gone through this year which is absolute in my opinion i think is they're completely not innocent but they do something that everybody else does and they're just getting indicted for it because they're successful and it's it's just timing and all this other weird stuff that's going on that happened to be them the ones taking the fall for everyone else doing the same sign stealing stuff but we've talked about that before and Jim Harbaugh addressed that in a post in his post game interview and just he said, we're completely innocent. Like we're just going to celebrate this. And we know that we won this fair and square. There's nothing that can take that away from us. So, uh, and just knowing Jim Harbaugh, I feel like he would admit that, or, or at least not say we're completely innocent and, and just speak it adamantly as he has against it all season. Uh, it, he just took his suspensions really well. And now, now the theory is that he's going to go to the NFL, which I cannot believe after, after getting to the mountaintop 15 and zero, winning a national championship with a team that first national championship for Michigan since, uh, they kept bringing this up last night since 1997, which is not a national championship because Nebraska was the national champion that year beat <laughs> and, and Michigan just tried to sneak their little sorry butts in there. Uh, it, it just cause they had, uh, what's it? Charles Woodson is a Heisman trophy winner. They thought they were amazing. Uh, Nebraska 
should have won that outright. And I don't know how Michigan squeaked in there, but um, anyway, so win their first national championship since that first undisputed national championship since the Harry Truman era uh, of the presidency, which is crazy to think about. Um, but it's been a long time coming for those Michigan fans have been through a lot. Uh, they kept getting over first, the Ohio state hump, then the playoff semifinal hump and finally national championship. So I just feel, I just feel uh, really happy for them and glad that the big 10 came out on top. Uh, it, it, I, even though it wasn't Nebraska, but I'd rather see the big 10 win a national championship than any other conference. So, yeah. Uh, all right. Any other final thoughts on the national championship on college football, the 2022, 2023, or sorry, 2023, 2024 season in general here, grandpa, there's, there's been a lot that's gone on. What has been, I, I guess we could, we could do this as well. What is, what's your high what, favorite game uh, from Nebraska this year? And then least favorite uh, game just, just to watch. I mean, obviously it's probably the Iowa one because of how much was riding on it. And that's, that was my least favorite would be the Iowa one. But, um, and, and then for me, my, my favorite game or the game I was uh, most excited for, I guess, not, not excited for, but just the, the, the game that I thought Nebraska played the best in and, and, and just, felt really good about was uh probably oh man i want to say uh, i mean it's just a close loss after close loss and i don't know it might be one of the beginning of the year i mean it, louisiana tech does that count uh i don't know but uh it, it's just been quite a season for nebraska football and Hopefully it'll be better next year. Uh, you know what? My favorite game is getting Dylan Rola to commit on signing day. That's that's my favorite moment <laughs> in Nebraska football season. <laughs> so yeah, let's just leave it at that. Yeah, yeah, I'll, that's I'll, fair. I know. All right, I know. All right, you let's talk some on. volleyball. Yeah, let's talk some volleyball. Uh, a little bit of sad news here. Allie Batenhorst, Nebraska's outside hitter, started for Nebraska for three years, is transferring. Don't understand that whatsoever. But uh, I don't either. Uh, anyway, so. She is, uh, I mean, she's been one of her best players for forever and don't understand why she's entering the portal. You got to a national championship game, unless you're transferring to Texas, there's not a better team you could transfer to. Uh, and well, she I mean, that, she's from Texas, she's from Houston, so that's maybe, maybe. So, uh, I would, I would still think that's fair, but I mean, you lose what two games the entire season, and one yeah. of them is a national championship game, and one of them is against Wisconsin in a game where it seemed like Nebraska didn't really care that much. But, I mean, holy cow. Uh, well, the, I mean, the good news is that everyone else is coming back, <laughs> and that is very, very good for Nebraska, and they got a lot of other girls that can slot in there. Um, what are your well, thoughts on on that, on her well, leading, Grandpa? I, I think that uh, Allie Batenhorst is making room for uh, uh, the, the girl from uh, – what's her name uh, – Land Landfair is her name. She's a she's a uh, Big Ten Player of the Year and twenty two three time All Big Ten player. Oh wow, uh, she's a great player, and so they had to make room for her somehow. And uh, so Allie, I mean, they're both six five outside hitters. So yeah, those chicks are the same size as your same height as your dad. <laughs> they're, they're that, I cannot imagine that. That's crazy. So um, uh, that that's that's I think that's where that's coming from. <clears throat> and then Huskers lost uh, Maggie Mendelson and Hayden Kubik, Maddie's little sister, and Caroline Juravicious. She I think I think Kubik and Juravicious are going to Penn State. Uh, okay. I'm not sure. 
I'm not sure where Maggie's going. It could be Penn State. I, I might not have that right, but uh, but yeah, it's um, it's crazy that that you're so stocked with talent that you can afford to let an Allie Baton horse go. I mean, yeah. that's, that's that's crazy. That is just absolutely crazy. Yeah, I mean that's good. It, I mean, I wish Nebraska football had that problem. <laughs> yeah, no but, kidding. I mean, I mean uh, yeah. It if we, it, I mean, if it's in exchange for for her, uh, the the girl from Minnesota. I mean, I'm not going to complain that much. Just kind of stinks for Allie Batenhorst to be uh, I mean, build a connection with the Nebraska fan base, obviously. So, um, so yeah, I mean, there's that. But Nebraska volleyball will be back next year with a chip on their shoulder. We talked about this before, and if they bring in a three time All Big Ten player. Uh, and player of the year in 2022 that's huge um so that would be that would be great it'll be, it'll be like having um uh the beast the uh Barrett Beeson yeah and yeah, Beeson yeah. I, is on one side and and uh, Landfair is going to be on the other holy cow that would be yeah Woo. Oh. Ooh, that is scary uh it for, is. for is. opposing teams I'm glad that we got <laughs> we got both those two on our team so all right Quick little updates on Husker women's basketball and men's basketball real quick here. Men's basketball, I'll start with them. They're 2-2 two and two in the Big Ten. Uh, they are playing Purdue uh, tonight, I believe. Yep. Um, yep. So Purdue's ranked number one nationally right now, and uh, that's a huge game for them. I don't know what the score of that game – I don't know if it's on right now. Um, uh, it starts at 8 o'clock Central Time. Yeah. Uh, okay, I see. So uh, – you guys listening will know the results of this game, but that would be huge for Nebraska to win that. That would be massive. I don't think they will. Zach Eady's pretty no. darn good. Yeah. Uh, and, and and Purdue is not completely relying on him as well as they found out uh, a couple, uh, maybe a week or so ago. I forget who they played and they they beat. Um, or they played Illinois uh, on Friday of last week, I believe, and they won that game without Zach Eady really scoring a lot. So uh, Purdue's a scary team for sure. Nebraska will probably be 12 and four when you guys listen to this podcast, but uh, that's still huge for Nebraska being 12 and four going into big 10 play and having won two big 10 games. They're on the first four out on the most recent uh, ESPN bracketology, a thing, which is a prediction of the field uh, for March madness. So Nebraska's hanging in there. They were last week, they were in the tournament in one of the play-in games, which would be huge. In order to play in Omaha, which Omaha does host first and second round games, uh, they'd have to be an eight or a nine seed uh, yeah. in the specific region. I, I, I believe I don't know if they'd necessarily have them be in Omaha, but uh, so there's that. Uh, and then women's basketball, uh, they're playing. Thursday at Illinois, uh, they just recently, uh, I forget who they, I, I think they just lost to Indiana. I want to say, yeah. Yeah. um, yeah. so they are now 11 and four, three and one in the big 10, uh, their third place in the big 10 behind Iowa, Iowa, if you recall, has Caitlin Clark, who is one of the best women's basketball oh, yeah. players, yeah. uh, around, <clears throat> um, so, your thoughts on both those two things, Grandpa? But we can start. You can start with either one. But well, I I went to uh, see Britt Prince play on Saturday. They they played their their rival, Scott Catholic, and they uh, it was it was an it would the place was packed. And you say, well, that was for a, a girls basketball game. You know, they never ever sell out at least in in normal circumstances. 
it's rare to see a girls game sell out, but that one was, there wasn't an empty seat there. It was loud. It was, it was exciting. Um, both teams came into that game undefeated 10 and 0. And, uh, and it was at the half, Scott was up by two 30 to 28. And then Britt Prince and, and the, uh, Elkhorn North Wolves, uh, took over. Uh, Britt ended up with 42 points, 14 rebounds. And oh, I don't my God. It's insane. Oh, my and, gosh. And I, I tried to look up in the box scores of how many steals and assists she had because she's all over that. She is cat quick. Uh, she's an amazing player. She's a generational player. Everybody talks about Dylan Raiola, Harper Murray. They're all great. Merritt Beeson, they're all great players. I would put uh, Britt right in that same uh, position. She is an awesome player. That'd and be she crazy. Knows where, she knows where every player is on the court at all time. She, it, it's amazing. Uh, you know, she could easily yeah. be a ball hog and you say, well, 42 points. And they, they scored 71. And then the other girl who is another, uh, she's a Colorado state to commit. She, I believe had 22 points in that game. So there's, there's 64 of the 71 points between Jeez. that is crazy that, that the other players didn't have a chance to score because they were feeding them everybody and it's just you know jordan jordan excuse me Britt would would stand there and and nobody to pass to so she would just launch a three and she just nails them she's just she's deadly uh i i hope we can have her uh, and and maybe her her mom who is her coach and prince on one of our podcasts, because I think it'd be just awesome. Um, yeah, definitely, especially since she's committed to Nebraska for the right. 2024 recruiting class. So that would be huge. Um, but I mean, imagine we 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 have Britt Prince, Dylan Rilla, Harper Murray, Merritt Beeson, yeah. all in Lincoln at the same time. That is wild that we have those Insane. generational talents Insane. all yeah. one campus. That's pretty crazy. Um, so that's that's really great for for Britt Prince. I mean that's an insane performance 42 points in high school. I mean, that's probably more common because defenses aren't as good, but against a team like Scott Catholic, who was yeah. undefeated until that game. Yeah. My goodness. Last two years for the state uh, championship, they've had to play uh, Scott. So they're not chopped liver. They're, they're one of the best, best teams. Um, Britt with that 42 points, she became the all time leading scorer in class B. You say, well, that's class B. Yeah, that's true. But 2,088 points in her career, three years is a, oh, a little plus, plus three plus years as a starter. Um, and then I don't know what she's going to end up with because if she keeps averaging 40 points a game, who knows? That, yeah. that's, again, that's insane. I'm not saying that she's going to do that, but um, it's, and they, they're, they're going to play on January 20th. They're going to play, uh, Miller North class a team and they already beat uh, who they, they beat a class a team already this season. So it's, they go out of their league and they beat those. And, 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 and uh, Miller North is like the second or third ranked team in, in class a. So it's not like they're getting some weak sisters to play. Yes. Yeah. I wish if you were in town, you and I would go there. You would, you oh, would yeah. have a great time. Yeah, definitely. And hopefully we can maybe get Britt Prince on here. That'll be, that'll be great to yeah. interview her, especially since, as I said, she's committed to Nebraska. So that's going to be huge. Yep. Uh, final little item on our agenda here before we wrap up this packed episode of how about them Huskers Nash hot matcher, the polar bear is wrestling. 
and he got his first heavyweight pin as a Husker versus Wyoming. Uh, he he's dropped forty five pounds in a little over a month. That is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he was 166 and O as a high school wrestler. <laughs> yep. I can see why, because uh, yeah. he's sacking all these Big Ten quarterbacks. Uh, Nebraska won the match 44 to three. Not surprised there. Uh, Nebraska wrestling is quite uh, one of the forgotten Nebraska great sports, honestly, but just because it's yep. wrestling, I think. But um, so that's awesome for a national match. I didn't know that until I was reading over our script. I was like, oh, is it, this is a funny joke, Grandpa, but in here, oh, it's actually not. Uh, but uh, so that's awesome for him. Uh, we'll see what he does when it, when it comes to wrestling. I, I mean, that's our second two-sport two star. I think we've talked about, yeah. we talked about Maggie Mendelson. Obviously, yeah. she dropped off Nebraska's yeah. volleyball team, uh, but she'd played for them and, and then the basketball team as well. And then Nash, of course, playing on the football team and the defensive line and wrestling for Nebraska. So that's, that's huge as well. Uh, all right. We will be back next week with, uh, probably, I think we need to do a postmortem on Nebraska season. We've been talking that we, we need to do that. We need to just go through every game and kind of just break it down a little bit more, maybe, and just break down the season as a whole, uh, and, and just prepare for that a little bit more. So, that's what we're going to do next week, I believe. Uh, tune in back next week for that. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell everyone about the show. As always, go and subscribe over on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you find this magnificent podcast and wherever you find yourself listening to. Uh, we will be back next week, as I said, with a uh, postmortem on Nebraska season. I don't know why I forgot what I was going to say, but most importantly, go Big Red! <laughs>